Mic check, one, two, one, two. Mic check, one, two, one, two. A taste to consider podcast. I'm your host, Derek Silver. We back for another episode. Rest in peace to Black Rob. Let this go. Taste to consider podcast. I'm your host, Derek Silver. We back for another episode. Rest in peace to Black Rob. Definitely wasn't expecting this today. Oh man. Um everybody knew something was going on uh uh when DMX was uh in his coma and a video of Black Rob popped up and I don't know where he was at. I don't know if he was in the hospital or what, but he was laying in the bed and he just didn't look good at all. And, you know, uh, everybody was concerned about his well-being and trying to get him some help and stuff. And I know recently uh, um, a GoFundMe popped up so uh, people can raise money for him to find some some housing. And then for this to happen, man, this this wild, you know, to, to live your last days um, this way. But... Um, Rest in peace to Black Rob. Uh, man, uh, prayers, condolences to all his family and friends. Oh, back for another episode. Um, shoot, I definitely didn't want to have this type of episode. I mean, just outside of Black Rob passing, I mean, it's, I'm kind of getting sick and tired <laughs> of having these type of episodes and talking about the things that I'm going to talk about today. But um, let's start the show. It's a taste to consider podcast. I'm your host, Derek Silver, and we're back, back for another episode. Another week has ended, another week about to begin. This is Saturday evening, Saturday night, um, uh, about 8.45 right now. Uh, I didn't even think I was going to record today because, honestly, I've been kind of tired, and and the reason I've been tired is because I am tired of talking about this shit that I'm going to be talking about tonight, but... um, the show must go on. Yes, the show must go on. Let me start out with um, what I'm drinking tonight. Um, I ended up not even buying anything new for the show, so I just went to my stash, and I'm drinking uh, Uncle Nearest 1856 premium whiskey. Um, 
One of my favorites is always good. Let me take a sip. And tonight I am smoking a punch cigar, punch rare Corojo cigar. It's a pretty good cigar. Kind of, um, it's kind of heavy, um, but it got a nice pull to it. Um, it go good with the uh, whiskey. Um, Whew. Let's get into the show. Uh, well, today I went uh, to um, went to uh, Salt Cave today, and I was up in there. Um, it was it was pretty cool. Got to uh, relax, put away my cell phone, and and just meditate. I meditated for the four hour that I was in there. Good meditation. I got a, a nice meditation high. Those meditation highs be pretty nice. Um, yeah, it was pretty relaxing. I needed it. Um, so I'm glad I got, got that out the way. Because um, I haven't really been meditating like, I, like, I, like I'm used to, like how I'm, I normally used to meditate. But um, it was good to get that meditation in. Um, and that hour-long meditation pretty much made up for... <laughs> Uh, this week of not meditating, because usually I meditate uh, 10 minutes every day. Um, I ain't do nothing this week, so that hour made up for <laughs> the uh, the earlier part of the week that I didn't really do anything. So um, I look to this meditation today to get me started on the new week. Um, yeah. Oh, now I forgot to turn, put my phone on silent. Um, meditation, I always say this, meditation, man, saved, saved my life because I was a hothead, I was always angry and stuff like that, and it just, it calmed me down, it, it helps me uh in times of uh confusion and stuff like that um I love meditation, but I gotta be honest I haven't been uh consistent and disciplined with my meditation that I normally am used to, so I definitely have to get better with that uh moving along um yeah, like I said, I ain't even know if I was going to call cuz I'm just I'm just tired of talking about this, <laughs> this shit that's going on and um if you don't already know, you'll you'll hear it um going into this episode. Um Let me start out with a Black Lives Matter update and let me pull my stuff up. This uh, Black Lives Matter update, um, I think it was last episode, I think it was last episode, I talked about uh, the co-founder of Black Lives Matter and how, you know, it was a lot of talk about uh, backlash about her buying that that million dollar home and stuff like that. And, you know, people trying to figure out what the hell 
Black Lives Matter has really been doing and some of the the uh, complaints and, and stuff that a lot of the families that have lost loved ones, lost uh, sons and daughters and stuff like that, family members have complained about Black Lives Matter just, you know, getting recognition and clout and money and stuff off of these these uh these black lives being lost. And so this headline right here says head of New York City's Black Lives Matter chapter calls for an investigation of organization's co-founder after she spent three million dollars on four homes. So now we see that it's some infighting with the Black Lives Matter organization. That is just, I mean, I, I forgot what I initially said about um, her buying them, the home, but I do think it's kind of, I think it's stuff that you can question, particularly when the families of these victims, because, you know, it's easy for us outside who don't know what's going on, but people who actually, you know, have dealt with Black Lives Matter or lack thereof dealing with them but then Black Lives Matter building their platform and making money and stuff um, off of their family's death, their family member's death. Uh, here's another headline. Property records revealed as self-described Marxist, Black Lives Matter co-founder Patrice Kahn Coolers recently went on a real estate binge, bought four houses for a total of $3.2 million. Yeah, that's, that's wild. Um and this is what was interesting about all this stuff. Those two headlines was out there, just popped up uh, earlier this week. So then later on in the week, uh, I believe it was Thursday, this popped up right here, this headline right here. It says, new, Facebook is no longer allowing users to share the New York Post story about Black Lives Matter co-founder Patrice Conquilor's recent 3.2 million real estate binge. Why the fuck is Facebook... What what does Facebook got to do with the Black Lives Matter organization and and not allowing people to <laughs> share this information? What this is not this is factual information. So why the hell is Facebook getting involved in not allowing people to share it? And that's and that's suspect right there. And that shows you that there's an agenda and some shit some shady shit going on because this isn't this isn't um any type of derogatory information no racial racist information uh no anti-semitic information no uh anti-lesbian information nothing what the fuck is wrong with with people being able to share this information and this goes hand in hand with a lot of the theories, I'll say conspiracy theories out there about how the Democratic Party and is in charge of the media and has dealings with the Black Lives Matter organization. Because what is why didn't why they don't want this information out? Just something that, to ponder. I mean it says Black Lives Matter had ninety million dollars donated to them in one year and hasn't. And this, this is this is legitimate. When I saw this, I was like, "Yeah, this doesn't make any sense." It says Black Lives Matter had ninety million dollars donated to them in one year and hasn't created jobs, rehab centers, opportunities for people's voice to be heard, helped the homeless, 
healthy grocery stores near the inner cities. They've done zero. Zero. And that makes sense. And 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 that's something that I was I was like, damn, that why didn't why didn't I think about that? Because if if they raise this this type of money and they and they talk about Black Lives Matter, why weren't they making any type of why weren't they starting any type of funds for black homeless people or black families or black some type of health funds or um centers where people can come get tested for uh STDs, um their high blood pressure centers where they can give out information and help, you know, the things that's really going on in our community besides us getting shot and killed all the time. Open up some some centers, information booths or whatever. I don't know. I mean, like they not doing nothing, but it seems like they just lining their pockets up and giving this money to the Democratic Party. But they not actually doing anything for the black community. They literally use all of that money. to fund Democrat, the Democratic Party. And the, and the Democratic Party ain't even doing shit for us. But like I said, the, the, the conspiracy theories out there is that Black Lives Matter was created to be a um, Democratic Party organization so they can feed off of it. It's just like some questions that we need to be we need to be holding a lot more people accountable for shit. And Black Lives Matter organization is an organization we need to be holding accountable along with the Democratic Party and these other organizations that claim that they represent us and, you know, out for our best interests. Oh yeah, this is what I forgot. Um it's a documentary um on Netflix called Crack. <laughs> it's it's called Crack and it's about the uh the crack epidemic. And it's a real good documentary. And um <clears throat> I meant to to talk about it on the last episode. We'll mention it last episode for people to check it out. So Make sure y'all check that documentary out. It's on Netflix. It's called Crack. And it came out, uh, I think, back in March. Good documentary. It goes in to, you know, all the things that happened during the, the uh, crack epidemic, um, the people that was involved, politicians, all that other stuff, how it effed up the community, the black community and stuff. And one of the things that I found real interesting uh, while I was watching that documentary that I think uh, 
goes unnoticed to a lot of people in the black community was when they were starting the the uh, Just Say No campaign. And um, they used tons of celebrities to push that campaign. And it reminded me so much of how they're using so many celebrities right now to push getting that damn vaccine. And not to say that it was wrong for them to use uh, celebrities to tell people in the black community not to do drugs, of course. But those campaigns just be a bunch of bullshit. Like, if they really cared about the black community not doing drugs and, you know, they could have just stopped bringing the fucking drugs in. I mean, we know that the government was a source of the drugs coming into the black community. <laughs> but then they was using celebrities to push a Just Say No campaign. And I know I said I wasn't going to be doing too much talking about the vaccine and stuff, but, like, I was just thinking, like, early, I was just like, it's just so naive of us in the black community to not question every fucking thing the government brings to us. To be a black person in America, we should question every fucking thing that the government brings to us. And they are pushing these celebrities in our community. Well, they using these celebrities in our community to push this vaccine on us. But moving right along, I mean, that was a great segue for the the uh, vaccine update. I'll just leave it there. But <laughs> so we heard that Johnson & Johnson paused their vaccine, their single-dose vaccine, because of clotting reports, rare clotting reports. And they claim that it was only six cases. But I'm definitely not going to believe that. I think that it was way more cases than, than that. But they just using that number. Maybe because that got out into the public. Or they just want to keep it small. <laughs> you know, they just want to keep that number small to not have people panic and move away from the vaccine. But basically, all all it's doing is people just like, well, I ain't getting that Johnson Johnson. I'm going to jump to the Moderna and Vi Pfizer. And I'm just like, bruh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, so Johnson & Johnson has paused their vaccine. I'm just like, we already knew that it was some shit with Johnson & Johnson. It's been plenty of reports out there. Like, I mean, the running joke has been, why the fuck would you get a vaccine from Johnson & Johnson when they can't even get the baby powder right? But it's like, I, I just don't understand how a lot, of, a lot of us black people, we defend everything. We defend everything that they throw at us. Instead of questioning it. And then what's the crazy thing? Like, since I'm a quote-unquote conspiracy theorist and, you know, when all this vaccine stuff was going on, before it was uh, 
made available to the public. You know, people was talking about some, oh, they about to put microchips in you. They about to put chips in you. They about to put chips in you. Look what, I mean, just look what just happened to pop up into the news earlier this week. The New York Post microchip developed by Pentagon to detect COVID-19. <laughs> you can't make this shit up. <laughs> I mean, it's like they can't even hide the shit. They can't even hide the uh, the stuff no longer. The shit just popping up. It was one report that I found crazy. I mean, but but this is like this is what we already knew. Well, let me read the report first. Alaska woman caught COVID nineteen, got vaccinated, then became infected again. <laughs> I mean, like. People, people keep talking about some. I did the research. I did the research. I'm going to get the vaccine or whatever, like that. Like you seen the post and like on social media, you had to see it because people been saying it even before this post been running around there. Nah, you ain't do the research. You are the research. They say that the vaccine is a trial vaccine. What does that mean? They trying to see how it functions in people's body, how people react to it. They don't even know how how the, the vaccine is going to react to people. That's why it's called a trial. That's why the FDA hasn't approved it. That's why you can't fucking sue them. You can't sue the companies. Another headline. Pfizer CEO now says third dose of vaccine likely needed within 12 months. Also says vaccination possibly required annually. Bruh. Bruh. <laughs> Bruh. Oh, man. And who's the, who's the group that they've been pushing this vaccine on? The black community. If they care so much about the black community and stuff and our health, which they're trying to say is so much lately outside of the COVID-19, I'm going to get to that. Why aren't they giving these community, our community, information on high blood pressure, eating right, exercising, and stuff like that, stress and stuff, the main killers of our community, besides the police shooting us every five minutes. Tired of talking about this stuff. Hopefully next episode I can talk about some different stuff, or, or at least sprinkle it in. But this episode is just pretty much going to be... Um, all about how much they they love to hate us. Burp number one. And I ain't even been drinking. Like, I was drinking earlier uh, after my salt cave experience. Had two drinks. I haven't even touched this one that's in front of me right now. The Senate has advanced a bill called the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act, sponsored by Senator Mozzie 
Hirono and Representative Grace Ming to strengthen federal efforts to address hate crimes directed at Asian Americans. Man, they're advancing a lot of bills and acts and all that shit for other communities besides ours. And what's funny is when all this um, stop Asian hate stuff was going on, hashtag stop Asian hate and stuff, you ain't hear nobody saying all lives matter with that bullshit. You didn't. But when Black Lives Matter popped up and all the protests and all this other stuff, all you heard was all lives matter, all lives matter. You can't get a drop of 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 um combativeness from those those communities, other communities when it comes to stop Asian hate. CDC declares racism a serious health threat, says they'll need government funding to combat it. CDC Director Walensky also said that the CDC will direct a portion of its COVID-19 funds to provide medical care for people of color. So, who is this funding going to be for? Because I'm still confused about what people of color is. You know how loosely they use that term. Especially any time that the black community is demanding something or they or they want to push something through without the black community giving them too much pushback. <clears throat> Another thing that came out was um let me mark this stuff out the outline. I'm just trying to run through this shit because I'm just like, I'm tired of it. Uh, proclamation on Black Maternal Health Week. So, let me pull this up. Uh, where is it? White House, it's on whitehouse.gov. It says, a proclamation on Black Maternal Health Week. Basically, it says, in the United States of America, a person's race should never determine their health outcomes, and pregnancy and childbirth should be safe for all. However, for far too many black women, safety and equity have been tragically denied. America's maternal mortality rates are among the highest in the developed world, and they are especially high among black mothers who die from complications related to pregnancy at roughly two to three times the rate of white, Hispanic, Asian American and Pacific Islander women, regardless of their income or educational levels. This week, I call on all Americans to recognize the importance of addressing the crisis of black maternal mortality and morbidity in this country, ensuring that all women have equitable access to health care before, during and after pregnancy is essential. The Biden-Harris administration is committed to addressing these unacceptable disparities into building a healthcare system that delivers equity and dignity to black, indigenous, and 
other women and girls of color. I thought we just said this was for black. Where does of color come from? And then when you speak about indigenous, I consider myself indigenous, but the government doesn't recognize the black community as indigenous. So when they speak of indigenous, I'm assuming they talking about the other Native Americans, the the other you know the ones that claim that claim that they are really the Native Americans, but you know I've talked about that enough. So, as I stated, I mean they they pushing all this care about us recently, but it's only talk. They're they're easily popping up with these acts, these these uh fundings, these these bills and all this other stuff for all these other communities, but they keep just having talks for for the black community. Even with the reparations talk, the HR forty. Make sure you look that HR forty stuff up. So it's just talks for us, you know. We just gotta talk. We'd be lucky if we get something, you know, we get a sprinkle of something out of a bill. And that brings me to the Congressional Black Caucus met with uh, President Biden and VP uh, Harris. And I'm going to read this. It says, today, President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris hosted the executive leadership of the Congressional Black Caucus in the Oval Office to discuss topics of critical importance, including economic empowerment, voting rights, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, and how the American Jobs Plan will advance racial equity and redress historic inequities. The president and vice president shared their vision in the American Jobs Plan to make a generational investment in racial justice by expanding job opportunities for people of color, investing in climate justice to mitigate the disproportionate impacts of pollution on black and brown Americans, eliminating lead pipes to safeguard clean drinking water, lead pipes to safeguard drinking clean drinking water, building more equitable transportation, delivering, delivering affordable housing and mitigating exclusionary zoning policies, and investing in our care economy to ensure caregivers who are predominantly women of color receive the benefits and protections they deserve. I thought this was just supposed to be for black people. But you got people of color, you got brown, you got women of color. Anytime they try to talk about some bullshit for us, they always going to sprinkle those phrases in there because they going to give them them people, them other people, as the title of last episode was, them. They going to give them something, too, when it comes to stuff that's supposed to be about us. But then you got these, these people that's supposed to be representing the black community, the Black Lives Matters organizations, the Ben Crumps, the 
Al Sharptons, the CBCs, the NAACPs. What the fuck is they doing? CBC Chair Betty on meeting with President Biden. We started out by certainly saying this has been a tough week for us. It's been more than a tough week for us. This has been a couple of tough centuries for us. Jackson Lee says during President Biden's meeting with the CBC today, Biden gave his support for H.R. 40, a bill to create a commission to study reparations and consider appropriate remedies. She said of Biden, he is committed to this concept. We are grateful for that. Fuck a concept. Where is the money? As I've stated last episode, Asian community got 50 million dollars. 50 million. I mean, I'm I'm talk I'm sitting here sounding like Chris Tucker right now. 50 million. 50 million. You had Biden give the 80 something million for the Biden hotels for the illegal immigrants. You had New York City just give $15,000 to illegal immigrants. But we still getting shot down in the street. We got to have studies for our reparations. You got people out here talking about some, um, well, reparations shouldn't just start with cash payouts. You don't get that when it comes to uh, communities, other communities getting any type of settlements or reparations. That's some bullshit. You have these so-called Native Americans getting cash payouts, lands, and sovereignty up front. You got the Asian community getting money up front. You got illegal immigrants getting money up front. But we just get a converse, we just getting conversations or commission to study some shit as if we don't already know what the hell has gone on with the black community for five, six, seven, however long people keep wanting to say. Let me take a sip and move along to the next topic. How y'all feeling? I hope y'all feeling good, though. I mean, I know outside of the... uh, the, the the couple of tough centuries we have, and this has been a, a difficult week mentally for black people, as well as the families who have lost loved ones. So, Dante Wright, let's get into it. Dante Wright. Young black man who was killed, who was murdered during a traffic stop in Minnesota. Same state as George Floyd. Crazy. But the officer 
who killed Dante Wright. Her name is Kimberly Potter. She was a part of the uh, Brooklyn Center Police Department for 26 years. 26 years, in those 26 years, um, she forgot what a taser felt like in reference to what a gun feels like in her hand. And what I know is that you're supposed to hold your taser in one hand, well, pull it in one hand, something like that. This is this is what this is what I've heard. And had and pull your gun from another hand. Like your taser's supposed to be your left hand, your gun's supposed to be your right hand. I am not a gun owner, but I have held a gun plenty of times. I've shot a gun plenty of times, so I know how a gun feels. I've never held a taser before. I've seen it plenty of times, but I'm pretty sure I would know. I'm over 95% sure that I would know the difference between a gun and a taser, particularly No, especially if I knew that they were on different sides of my person. <laughs> I mean, <sighs> yeah, so she didn't know the difference between a taser and a gun. Shot Dante Wright, killed him. She was able to resign from the Brooklyn Center of Police. And still going to be able to receive her pension. And the, the crazy thing about it is once these shootings happen, they shouldn't even be able to resign until the investigation is fucking over. Because we know why they're resigning. They're resigning so they can keep their pension. And then most of them, once they resign, they can still go in and be on another police force. I think I had a clip. Um, let me see. I think I had a clip. Because the interesting thing about this, the police chief resigned too. Here we go. I got a clip. And this is the police chief right here. Chief Tim Gannon, Brooklyn Center, Minnesota Police Department. Let me pull this up. The police officers in the United States keep killing young black men and young black women far, far, far higher rate than they do white people. I don't have an answer to that question. And I don't know if that, that was a priority, but it was a violation that the officer observed and initiated a traffic stop. Are you aware that there's a significant delay in getting tabs and, and things of this nature from the DMV? So even people who have purchased tabs are unable to get them because there's a two to three month backlog. And have you made any type of recommendations to your staff to be mindful that we're in the middle of a pandemic? And don't pull people over for tabs, particularly because there is a significant delay in getting those tabs from the, the, the Department of Motor Vehicles. Are you aware of that? I am aware of that. I am aware of that. Is your staff aware of that? Yes, they are. Why is it? Yeah. So 
that was a press conference after everything happened. So basically, his feet was being uh, put to the fire. Kudos to those uh, reporters for actually doing that. But um, yeah, so he was pulled over for uh, what was it? Let me see. I gotta make sure I get this right. Um, let me let me just play this jump right here because this pretty much explains it. Damn, the video is gone. All right. Um, let me see. Yeah, he had a warrant out for him. And the crazy thing about it is the uh, they sent the warrant to the wrong address. Well, no, they sent... See, damn, I can't believe that video just, somebody deleted the video. I should have just saved it. Let me, let me see. Uh, let me see. Um, bear with me for a second. Um. All right. Um, it says a police officer fatally shot Mr. Wright in Brooklyn, Center, Minnesota, about ten miles from where Derek Chavon is on trial in the killing of George Floyd. Uh, how the shooting unfold? According to Chief Tim Gannon of the Brooklyn Center Police Department, officers pulled Mr. Wright over on Sunday afternoon for a traffic violation related to expired registration tags. Officers then discovered that he had a warrant for his arrest. As the police tried to detain Mr. Wright, he stepped back into his car, prompting a brief struggle with officers, uh, Chief Gannon said, and then uh, that's when he was shot. So, yeah, he had a warrant because of expired registration tags. The warrant happened because they sent his information to the wrong address. So that's why the warrant was out for his arrest. Because they sent the shit to the wrong address. Shit crazy, man. Sent it to the wrong address, and that's why he's dead. He also had a um No. This is what this this is what it's saying. It's saying that he had he had um he had expired expired registration tags. They sent the stuff, sent uh everything to the wrong address. So he was pulled over because he wasn't able to Register 
his tags. He had a warrant for his arrest over a gross misdemeanor weapons charge, according to the complaint. It's just it's just wild because for this like what's already going on in Minnesota right now with George George Floyd and the uh Dirk Siobhan trial. And then you would think these officers would would be just a little cognizant of of you know everything that's going on right now, and the chief would have like told the officers to to have more restraint in this time, and then for this to happen, it's crazy. Uh, let me see. Um, Kim Potter, when she resigned, she uh, made a statement. It says, I have loved every minute of being a police officer and serving this community to the best of my ability, but I believe it is in the best interest of the community. 26 years. Like, the police chief, like, you didn't want to just tell the officers to to de-escalate situations and just like how the uh the reporters was asking the, the police chief you know we're in a pandemic right now and all the stuff that's going on with the motor vehicles administration and this is in majority of the states where the uh the wait is long for most of the stuff because i remember uh like in the beginning of towards the middle part of the pandemic I had to, my tags were about to expire, but they sent me a letter in the mail and was just like, um, you can just go ahead, we'll go ahead and give you an a extra year until you have to really um, go ahead and, and pay to get your tags re-registered. But what's funny is it had me thinking about when I was uh, going through the process of being a a police officer with the Prince George's County Police Department. And I remember when I did my ride along and how uh, when I was doing my ride along, I was with this one officer. I was with a couple of officers that day. But this this one officer, I was with him. Uh, we was riding around the whole time. Well, he he was driving around the whole time, putting just driving behind people and putting their tag their uh license plate numbers in to see if see if they had any type of warrant or anything going on with them. And he said that's what he does all day long. 
And it had me thinking about that. I was like, so do y'all niggas do any fucking police work? Because <laughs> what kind of shit is that? Y'all just looking for, for some bullshit. Excuse me. What's that? Burp number two and three. And for all this to be the court's fault, to send the court notice to the wrong address and then issue a warrant for his arrest. You can look the case number up. It's 27-CR-19-29850. That man gone because the court sent the notice to the wrong address and because these damn racist-ass cops. So, of course, all this happened and I'm going through the same process over and over again with these with these situations. Uh black man gets killed, um, do these press conferences, Ben Crump show up. Uh we have protests and the the police department um tear gas and rubber bullet the protesters as if we ain't got as if we just lunching, as if we just tripping. <laughs> And what's crazy is the uh Brooklyn um the Brooklyn Center Police Department, they were ordered by the uh city government not to fire tear gas and rubber bullets, but they did it anyway. Kim Potter, um, she ended up being arrested and charged with second-degree manslaughter. Uh, she's out on bail, $100,000 bail. And, you know, Ben Crump, he ended up popping up, and he's representing the the right family. So that means a settlement going to be put in place, going to be popping up at some point. Uh, he released a statement. He said, um, police just released Dante Wright body cam footage. The officer appears to have intended to fire her taser, but shot Wright with her handgun instead. Another young black man and a father of a two-year-old. And I was just like, are you apologizing for the officer talking about some the officer appears to have intended? How do you appear to intend? Boy. What is Ben Crump's purpose, man? I'm still trying to figure this out. But interesting enough... The police department uh, ended up making uh, building fences and, and uh, those barriers, those concrete barriers around Kim Potter's house. <laughs> Man, they stay, they stay on code. They stay on code. They stay on code, and it's similar to if you haven't seen that. Uh, 
I think he was an army sar- sergeant. His name was Jonathan Pentland. Uh, he had harassed and, and uh, assaulted this this uh, young black dude for walking down the street in the neighborhood, a neighborhood that the black dude lived in. And what happened was the, that neighborhood, that area of South Carolina is a predominantly black area. So <laughs> the black community came out to Jonathan Pentland's house and and told him to come outside. He was looking out the window and everything. And then what, what wound up happening was the damn police gave that man protective custody. They came and picked him up and everything. But the police didn't give this same type of energy to that army lieutenant who was pepper sprayed and, and stuff by the police. <laughs> See, they stay on code. We never stay on code. We don't even have a damn code. But I got a clip. I got a clip. Y'all know I be having them clips. And this clip from some of y'all's president. Where that clip at? Damn, what I do with that clip? I think this it right here. I told y'all I be having stuff in my in my uh We've spoken to the governor or the mayor. I be having I be having stuff in my phone. I be having screenshots. I be having links on Instagram, Twitter, all that. But here go the clip. Let me start it over. This this uh y'all's boy Biden when he was meeting with the Congressional Black Caucus. Uh, we've spoken to the governor, or the mayor, spoken to the authorities there, uh, and. Uh, and uh, I haven't called uh, Dante Wright's family, but uh, our prayers with their family is really a tragic thing that happened. We're, and uh, but I think uh, we got to wait and see what the investigation shows uh, and the entire investigation. You all watched, I assume as I did, the film, which is fairly the body cam, which is fairly uh, fairly graphic. Um, question is, was it an accident? Was it intentional? That remains to be determined uh, uh, by a full-blown investigation. But in the meantime, I want to make it clear again, there is absolutely no justification, none, for looting, no justification for violence. Peaceful protest, understandable. And the fact is that, you know, uh, we do know that the anger, pain, and trauma that exists in the black community in that environment is real. It's serious and it's consequential. But it doesn't, will not justify violence and or looting. And so the question is uh, how we, in an orderly way, make clear that they get down to a full-blown investigation to determine what the facts are and what is likely to have happened. In the meantime, we're calling for peace and calm and uh, we should listen to uh so there's no justification for violence when it's a (laughs) 
I'm glad I went to that. Uh, <laughs> some of y'all probably like I'm kind of turned up off of this, but going to that salt cave today actually grounded me a lot. And for me to have majority, uh, I'm I'm a fire sign, but I have a lot of earth earth uh, earth placements in my chart, so. It's a good thing because that the earth placements <laughs> give me a healthy balance to my fire. <laughs> because man, I I would have been even more turned up if it wasn't for going to that soul cave today. But so he wants no violence, you know, there's no justification for violence. Only when that violence is against us. You know, it's justification for violence when it's against us. It's okay. It's okay now. Peace and calm when we angry. But these supposedly trained officers aren't supposed to be peaceful and calm in these situations being able to de-escalate these situations. So he's basically saying that, you know, uh, him as well as a lot of people when it comes to this quote-unquote looting that, that we, that they claim that we be doing, that the property, the property is more important than, than our lives. The, these properties these people's buildings, these people's stores or whatever they, they claim we looting is more important than our lives. We did so much, particularly in the black community, we did so much uh, romantic. We do a lot of romanticizing about things getting better for us and for our community. And this shit never happens. We did all this this talk about Trump this, Trump that. And like I said on the last episode, all the stuff that we was worried about Trump doing, Biden is doing it. And he's, oh, he's letting it happen. We so romanticize about shit getting better in these particular moments when... We see, uh, hold on, excuse me, excuse me, in these moments like with a, with a Trump, we get so romanticized with these narratives or whatever, and we, we look for things to get better, but this shit is just, is, it's holding us back, because we need to come to the realization things ain't going to get better as long as we keep focusing on focusing on somebody trying to save us. We keep looking for somebody to fucking save us, and it's particularly always got to be a white person. Why aren't we saving ourselves? Why aren't we working together? Why aren't we getting on code together to help ourselves? They keep us in this mindset for all these things to to happen like this. Like, this shit is by design. This shit is really by design. As long as we're trapped in this in these type of traumas, 
We're always going to be looking to be saved by somebody else. We sit here all day long, particularly our the the old folks in our in our community, our mothers, our grandmothers and stuff, always watching the news and stuff like that, getting caught up into the fear that the mainstream media is pushing out there that we always looking for somebody to save us. We are always going to be looking for somebody to save us. Our spirit is always going to be weak. Our mental and emotional health is always going to be weak because we keep getting caught up into these videos where we seeing our people get killed, watching the news, and just 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 being straight fearful. We've been straight punks. They want to keep us in this mind state so we can always be under their control. This is psychological warfare. This is this is psychological trauma. This is an agenda. And it's crazy, we're so naive that we just gloss over this. In so many ways, when it comes to this vaccine, when it comes to uh, voting against these, these political parties, these politicians, uh, white supremacy, all that. We're so, we got, the fear is like quicksand. Every time, Man, this this shit is exhausting. <laughs> I got uh another clip. Let me pull it up. One second, one second. I thought this was everything. I can't help but feel like the media emotionally manipulates black people whenever it's convenient. It worked so well last year during election season, and after all that social justice campaign, we still haven't gotten what y'all was begging for. At the risk of sounding insensitive, I think we have to look at the psychological ramifications of fear conditioning. Even in movies and shows supposedly centered around our stories, we're always traumatized and brutalized. We have to ask what's the purpose of consistently making us emotionally unstable. We've seen over the past year how fear is used to control people on a massive scale and dupe them into doing things that are irrational at best. If you can control a person's thoughts and emotions, then you own that person. You can manipulate their actions Own to your them. advantage. Staying emotionally and mentally sound should be the focus. The revolution won't be televised because it takes place in the mind first. Remember that. Again, be aware, but don't be consumed. Overall change starts with the individual. The best thing you can do for the black community is improving yourself and your families. Everything starts in the mind. That's why I hate that fucking cliche statement that actions speak louder than words. Thoughts start first. Then there's words, then there's actions. Everything starts from a fucking thought. Everything matters. Those thoughts matter. Those words matter. Those actions matter. But we are so wrapped up in fear that we won't even think for our fucking selves. We won't think for ourselves. We need to start holding everybody accountable, even people in our community. 
As she said, even last episode when I talked about the Amazon Prime show them, we got to hold Lena Waif accountable for the bullshit that she throw out. We got to hold the writer of that show. We got to hold all these people in the celebrity world accountable that be pushing these fucking narratives for these people to keep us steeped in this fear. We got to hold the politicians accountable. We got to hold our parents accountable. We got to hold our grandparents accountable. We got to hold everybody accountable. Question everything. They keeping us in fear. We look everywhere else instead of within, within ourselves, within our community. We always looking for somebody to save us, to to push us, to get us over the hump. This is psychological warfare. And as I've stated, go back to my episode of Steel Lynching. This shit started with the Willie Lynch syndrome. And I'll say it all the fucking time. To this day, we are still living in that syndrome, all of us, when it comes to everything in our community, black man, black woman dealing with each other, black man, black man dealing with each other, black woman, black woman dealing with each other, parents dealing with their kids, kids dealing with their parents, friends dealing with friends. That's why I always say you hear people talk about some well, black people, we need to get our money. Black people got money. We control this economy when it comes to consuming shit. Trillions of dollars. Fuck a money. We need to get our minds right. We so worried about making sure we rub elbows with people, keeping up with the Joneses and shit like that. We need to get our minds right. Moving along. Let me see. Do I have another clip? I thought I had another clip. I probably did. Uh, nah, I ain't got another clip. Moving along. Um, this was something I came across, and I'm gonna end the show after this. I came across this. Uh, this was just it. Would kept popping up on uh Twitter. And it was uh, after DMX passed and Prince Philip passed. So there's a uh, a young lady. She has a blog. Um, was, what's the blog name? Um, I don't know what the hell the blog name is because I just went straight to the article. But her name is... Jean Gashow. And the blog is jeangashow.com. J-E-A-N-G-A-S-H-O.com. This article is titled, Why as a Black Woman My Loyalty Lies with Prince Philip, Not Rapper DMX. And before I go into this particular article, I ain't even read the whole thing, but it was something that was in the blog post that was not surprising, but discouraging. 
But I went through a couple of her blog titles. I didn't read anything, but I went through some of her blog titles. She really hates, to me, she really hates being black. And she's not a black American. She is an African that lives over in England. So, I've talked about before how you have a lot of um, non-black Americans that don't like black Americans. I mean, I've had I've had experience with this. I remember being in a club at one time and I was about to get into the to a fight with this dude. He I think he was African and he he was like, uh, what do you say? <laughs> Cause that shit made me laugh. <laughs> he was like, um he was like, that's why I don't like being over here. That's why I don't like you people. <laughs> but um and you you hear it all the time. You hear like a lot of uh, black immigrants don't like black Americans. Um, but back to her blog post, it says, why is a black woman my loyalty lies with uh, Prince Philip, not rapper DMX? And she has a, like I, like I already said, she has a lot of uh, blog posts on there that she talks bad about black people. Um, and it's just, it's wild. But not surprising. Um, but this is a part of the blog post that stuck out to me. So it says, well, Prince Philip actually had a more troubled childhood than that of DMX. And he didn't have any white privilege during his childhood. But he grew up to be the very opposite of what life should have turned him into. Both DMX and Prince Philip had the same troubled start. Both were, without a doubt, great minds. Yet one became a criminal and a deadbeat father, and the other became a loving, a loving husband and father and dedicated his life to service. <laughs> uh, so who then deserves the honor of my pen? Should I honor people based on color of their skin or on their character? Bruh. <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> She must have knew a different Prince Philip than than I knew, because <laughs> Prince Philip definitely, if 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 he read her article, if she 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 came to him and tried to shake his hand, Prince Philip would probably spit on her. <laughs> Prince Philip, man, I already stated this about how the royal family. We already know how the royal family get down. I mean, they've been getting down like that for centuries. <laughs> But this is not this is an this isn't an anomaly. I've seen plenty of of uh black people over in different countries that love Prince Philip. And and this is what I man. Bruh. <laughs> I'm almost thinking I should title the episode Bruh. <laughs> oh man. So Prince Philip had a more troubled childhood than DMX, but he grew up as royalty. That's interesting. I would like to know exactly what 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 troubled childhood he had growing up as a prince. 
I'm I'm just stuck. <laughs> I'm stuck, man. Hmm. Like I said, I didn't read the blog post because I knew it was gonna be on some bullshit. Especially after I after I saw this uh this portion of of the blog post. But I mean, this is this isn't something that's uncommon. We have it over here in in America, Black Americans that hate Black people, and they they just they show more love to to white people. You know, I mean, what what we would call them is the house Negroes, or the coons, or the the. Uh, the bed winches. I'm not being disrespectful. I'm just I'm just pointing out the the labels that these people are usually called in our community. Yeah. But going back to the the psychological uh psychological warfare, the psychological trauma aspect of Everything that has to do with Dante writing um black men being killed it definitely uh affects me uh with with this recent incident happened this recent murder this recent killing. I definitely have been on edge a little um I've definitely been a little anxious and I've been a little fearful honestly um I telework so I don't have to go out much. Um I go to the gym, go to the barber shop and you know go out if I need something, but I shouldn't have to fear getting in my car and worrying about if I'm going to make it to my destination and back home. But those are the things that I have been worried about, that I have been anxious about uh this past week. Um, I plan on writing a blog about it, so uh, keep an eye on greatestiamblog.com because that that blog post should be coming up soon. Um, Outside of me being angry and and having that rage inside of me, it's a lot of fear there. It, It really is a lot of fear. And this is, and just outside of dealing with the, the police shootings or white supremacy people or racist people killing shoot killing and shooting us you got to deal with the stuff on the news you got to deal with stuff in on in TV and movies it's nowhere to i mean like this is psychological warfare and this shit is by design if you want to be naive about it, you can go ahead and keep being naive about it. I mean, it's in the it's in uh as a black man, you got to deal with it on both sides. You got to deal with it from the white community, you got to deal with it from your own community. Honestly, you do. But it's perpetuated in our community I feel as an agenda. I mean, if you can't see that or believe that, then um, I don't know what to tell you. But um, that's definitely the case. I got to worry about getting into some shit with, with somebody who looks like me as well as somebody who 
who just despises, hates me with a passion. I mean, it's nerve-wracking. I mean, it's scary. Honestly, it's, it, it really is scary. But I'm going to save all of that for the blog posts <laughs> to get in, you know, a little deeper than that. But it's, it's real. The psychological aspect, the trauma aspect of it is, is real. I mean, they love the haters no matter what. They love the haters. They love to hate us. So I appreciate everybody listening to the to this episode. I appreciate everybody who has been listening. Season three, this is episode 11. I appreciate everyone who has been supporting me, who has been sharing the podcast, who has been uh, reading my blogs, following me on social media, sharing, just continue sharing the podcast. Um, every episode ain't going to be blackity black talk, trust me, but... I gotta be honest. I couldn't. I couldn't sit here. I couldn't sit here right now and not talk about this. I just couldn't. I. I honestly tried to make myself not because I got other stuff to talk about outside of this. But it's hard for me not to do it. It's hard. I don't know. It's just hard for me not to do it. And I don't understand how other people with platforms can just let this stuff just slide at times. I understand you have to have a balance in life, but. We are being attacked at a at a, purport, a, a a disproportionate rate right now, and every platform is important to push this stuff, stuff out there so everybody can understand what's going on. But I'm not going to judge nobody. You do what you got to do, but it's, I try my best not to talk about this, but I just can't get around it. Um I pray that I continue to be safe, my family members. And it's crazy, too, just thinking about it. Like, I honestly worry about my my brother and my father a lot more than I worry about myself with, you know, dealing with stuff like this. And it, it's, it's bad. It's bad how much I worry about them. It's psychological warfare, man. crazy I got a song um that I want to play I forgot the name of it um let me see um is this the song Is this the song right here? I don't. I forgot the name of the damn song. Let me just play it and see if this the song or not. I hope it's the song. No, I don't think that's the song right there. Damn it! The hell is the song? Trying to get away from not playing some <laughs> some Tupac, a Tupac song that relates to this. Y'all know, y'all know how I'll get y'all a Tupac <laughs> song. Um, let me see, let me see. Um, Let me 
find this damn song. Okay, yeah, that's the that's the jump right here. Let me see. I found it. Tripping. I should have known that was the title. This uh this song is by Joey Badass and it's called Land of the Free. Taste to consider podcast. I'm your host, Dirk Silver. Catch me on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Oh man, I appreciate y'all so much. I know y'all ain't trying to hit this blackity black all the time, but you know. It's not going to be every episode, trust me. But I just couldn't let this go this week. You know, sometimes I think they don't truly understand me, you know? Because they don't. Taste to Consider Podcast. I'm your host, Dirk Silver. Can't change the world unless we change ourselves. Die from the sicknesses if we don't seek the health. All eyes be my witness when I speak was felt Full house on my hands, the cars I was dealt Three K's, two A's in America I'm just a black space born out the nebula And everything I do will say today that's worthwhile With assurance by your action and your first child I begin my first now Sometimes I speak and I feel like it ain't my words Like I'm just a vessel channeling inside this universe I feel my ancestors arrested inside of me It's like they want me to shoot my chance to change the society But how do I go about it? Tell me where I start My destiny rerouted when I chose to follow heart You chose to follow suit but tell me what to do for you Except where you down now you Trapped inside the cubicle, they built for us The first step in the change is to take notice Realize the real games that they tried to show us 300 plus years of them cold shoulders Yeah, 300 million of it still got no focus Sorry, America, but I will not be your soldier Obama just wasn't enough, I need some more closure And Donald Trump is not equipped to take this country over Let's face facts, cause we know what's the real motives In the land of the free is for the freeloaders Leave us dead in the street to be the organ donors They disorganized, my people made us all loners Still got the last names of our slave owners In the land of the free is for the freeloaders Leave us dead in the street to be the organ donors They disorganized, my people made us all loners Yeah, we can't change the world unless we change ourselves Die from the sicknesses if we don't seek the help All eyes be my witness when I speak was felt Full house on my hands, the cars I was dealt Three K's, two A's in America. I'm just a black space born out there. Taste to the podcast. I'm your host, Derek Silver. Trickery in the system, put my niggas in prison. All our history hidden, ain't no liberty given. We all fit the description of what the documents written. We've been lacking the vision and barely making a living. We too worried to fit in while they've been benefiting. Every time you submit it, we all guilty admitted. The law won't get you acquitted, but you still ask for forgiveness. But opiates and syringes, then inject his religion. Now, many times I gotta tell you I'm a man in the mission. Many times I gotta tell you I don't need no permission. A human with supervision, ain't no living condition. I'm reaching out to my children, just hoping. That they would listen Start a new coalition Against corrupt politicians It's not enough About the picture Too many murder convictions Nothing family evicted Nothing black man the victim That's as real as it's getting You should take recognition In the land of the free is full of free lotus Leave us dead in the street To be the organ Taste to consider podcast I'm your host Dirk Silver Catch me on Spotify Google Play Apple Podcast Stitcher Greatestiamblog.com, Instagram, greatest.i.am.blog, and Taste to Consider Podcast on Instagram. Seek the help. All eyes be my witness when I speak was felt. Full house on my hands, the cause I was dealt. 
Three K's, two A's in America. I'm just a black space born out the nebula. And everything I do is say the day that's worthwhile. With assurance by your action and your first child. Man, how real are those words right there? Taste to consider podcast. They love to hate us. Episode 11, season three. Talk to y'all next week. <laughs>